This Rise and Shine podcast series has been made possible by the generosity of the Zeitelman Family Foundation, which is committed to the unity and continuity of the Jewish people through meaningful and relevant Jewish education and wisdom. That is what it truly means to make love. Love is made, it is cultivated, it is the result of the giving and the investment in the other that the true feelings of love begin to flourish. This is Rise and Shine, a podcast that offers timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations to fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. Here is Adrian Gold Davis. On the eve of my wedding night, a very powerful warning was issued to me. Adrian, I was told, just remember that sometimes in married life, you can have a bad decade. A bad decade? I could barely cope with a bad day, a bad week, but a decade? Surely that was too much to ask. I remember shuddering in horror and reinforced yet another wall around my heart. I was committed to getting married, certainly, but to a bad decade? There was no way. I remember feeling that my commitment had particular boundaries around it. It wasn't written in stone, as it were, or in my marriage license. In my secret heart, it wasn't really for better or for worse. Rather, it was for better till I'm not feeling it. I gave myself private conditions to reserve for myself easy access to exits. And then I put on my beautiful wedding gown and got myself married. In the 30-plus years that I've been married since that fateful night, I can share with you openly that there indeed have been bad days, bad weeks, and the first 10 years was definitely, in retrospect, a bad decade. Not bad in the deal-breaker way, no abuse, emotional or physical, God forbid, no cruelty or excessive control, just periods of time where I felt nothing, where the feeling of love eluded me, where were it not for my kids, I would have moved on, where mediocrity and even occasional boredom with domestic life might have had me packing, and yet I stayed. My reasons are not so important right now. Rather, I'd like to share what I learned as a result of the staying. How in hindsight, I'm grateful for the lessons in life I learned through slowly learning what it means to truly commit, what it means to truly make love. Commitment is an action word. Like love, it's a verb. It's a behavior. Commitment begins the minute you want to leave. So as you stand under the chuppah, that marriage canopy swooning in the thrall of passion that you often confuse as love, it's easy to make a commitment. You want to commit. You want to lock down that other person and ensure that they're yours and yours alone. Then no one else touches them or kisses them or loves them. And they feel the same way about us. The commitment is forged in the desire to ensure fidelity. But if commitment is truly an action rather than a feeling, then the commitment we make when feeling compelled by the call of our hormones doesn't really qualify. Just as courage isn't the absence of fear, but the decision that something else is more important than our fear, just as bravery is a response to fear, 
then commitment only begins the minute you want to go. Because love is also a verb. Love is a gift we give to the other, and it requires acting lovingly even when, no, especially when, we may not be feeling it. The Hebrew word for love is ahava, from the root hav, to give. We love to whom we give. It's for this reason that we love our children more than almost anyone, because we give and give and give and give to them. Even when we'd rather sleep, we awaken to their cries, we soothe them, we feed them, we rock them, and when they're ill, we might sit anxiously at their bedsides all night long. We celebrate their birthdays with an excitement beyond the celebration of our own. They become the way we measure the passing of time. And because they're the recipients of the majority of our efforts and of our giving, we love them more than we love ourselves. You know, you can have bad days and weeks and years with your children, but we never consider leaving them because in our minds, we are them and they are us. We have become in our minds indivisible, like one. And even if, God forbid, we must be separated from them for their own good, have to give them tough love, boundaries, or respond with acted-out detachment so that they might get well, we do so in order to bring them closer to us. We always want them to return. We do whatever needs to be done to ensure that they are well and healthy and hopefully close. This is a natural consequence of loving through giving. Contrary to secular society, Judaism teaches us that in fact the paradigm of perceived oneness is actually the ideal dynamic of the married couple. Because while we want oneness with our children, it's actually our job to raise them to want that, to create that with their spouses. Judaism teaches us that the marital relationship is the ultimate coupling, or in Kabbalistic terms, the recoupling of souls. Recoupling, because we learn that in the world of souls, we were once one, then we were separated and sent into the physical realm, and that we stand under that marriage canopy together, and when we marry, that's a recoupling. It's a return to the original oneness, and therein lies the message. Because if we loved our spouses the way we loved our children, if we gave and gave and gave and gave and plugged all the potential exits, barring abuse or extreme misery, of course, if we expected, even anticipated, that there would be difficulty and times of emotional distress and disappointment, but would no more think of abandoning that relationship than we would of our children, then it's likely that we would feel the intensity of a bond with our spouses that we do with our children. No matter what happened with my kids when they were younger, I never put them to bed without saying I love you. I never punished them or withdrew love when they hurt or disappointed me. I never doubted my commitment, even when I wasn't feeling particularly disposed towards their characters or personalities, and I never stopped fighting for our relationship. That is commitment. And that model when transferred to your beloved, plugs the emotional exits and makes an environment where love can really flourish. And while there can be periods of time where you may be doing all the giving and none of the receiving, it's been my experience 
that what works from being a mother, where you very often get nothing back for years from your kids, pays even higher dividends in the marital relationship. If to love is to give, then sometimes the most important time to give is when you're not feeling it. When you get up in the night to respond to nightmares and tummy aches and 3 a.m. feedings, you often start by feeling exhausted and annoyed and agitated. But the minute you hold that baby and you offer that comfort, a feeling of deep love washes over us. It's in the doing that the feeling of love comes. With our spouses, we often neglect the doing when we're exhausted or annoyed or agitated, but it is in those very times that we override the negativity by giving that we make the love sensation return. That is what it truly means to make love. Love is made. It is cultivated. It is the result of the giving and the investment in the other that the true feelings of love begin to flourish. This week, can you consider inverting the paradigm in your life? Can you try to love your spouse the way you love your children? Can you offer them the same unconditional adoration and endless hopes for success? Can you be more exacting of your kids and a little less of your husband? Can you plug the exit signs in your heart and behave in a committed way like you do with your children? And you know, you don't have to feel it to act it. This week, try to behave lovingly with words or gestures, especially when you're not feeling it. Remember, commitment doesn't begin until you feel like leaving. And love is made, not felt. And because the pleasure of a love relationship that's been crafted with commitment can feel more powerful later than it did even on your wedding day. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Adrian again next time for more timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations that fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. This podcast was sponsored by the Zeitelman Family Foundation. Spread the wisdom. Inspire Jewish individuals around the globe by supporting Momentum's podcasts. To sponsor, contact podcast at MomentumUnlimited.org. You're listening to a Momentum podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.